1: Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everybody, and I hope you are enjoying Madigan's birthday month so far. I really, really enjoyed working on the episode covering Anne Frank. As I discussed in the episode, she has been a very important hero of mine since I was very, very young. And it was so much fun to discover new things about her and her family and the events that I hadn't previously known before. I hope that, you know, if any of you were already familiar with the story, that maybe you learned some new stuff as well. But that one was really, really enjoyable for me. Even though it is such an unbelievably tragic story, it's something that has always, like I said, been very near and dear to my heart. This coming week's episode will be the Ask Me Anything episode, celebrating my actual birthday, so I don't have to do as much work this week. Thank you very much. So if all of you could please have your questions in to me by July 8th, the day before my birthday, that would be super. That is the day that I am going to record that episode I've been putting up some little like question things up on Instagram for you to be able to ask me questions there. But if you want to email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram separately with multiple questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out whichever way is best for you. And I will answer all of the questions in Monday's episode. Thank you so much to everyone who's already sent them in so far. But I love more. So get to it. Also, if you love the show and you want to support it a little extra, you can go over to Patreon and join the Angry Feminist Book Club. I just finished three episodes technically, on Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson, as I had to split the second episode up into two parts because I wasn't feeling very well. So there's technically three episodes up on Patreon available for you for that book, but you can also listen to the episodes covering Women Talking by Miriam Taves, Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston, and have I done another one? Oh, of course, and Still Learning by my friend, India Oxenberg. So there's four books, which means there's eight episodes at least, maybe nine, available covering just those books. And you can join the Angry Feminist Book Club for $5 a month. But if you want a little bit of extra content on top of that, you can join the Feminist Faves level for $8 a month where you can get everything from the book club but also get all of these episodes ad-free. Sometimes you get them a little early. I'm trying to think of some more fun stuff that I could put up on Patreon. So if any of you have suggestions for things that you want to see or hear from me or anything, please send those suggestions over as well. I really want to make it something that all of you are really enjoying. So thank you so much to all my patrons. But if you are on the fence, now's a good time to join because there's a backlog of episodes for you. And you can just go to patreon.com slash Feminist or go to the link in the show notes to find me there. Okay. It's a really depressing, heavy week, unfortunately, in the news, everybody. I wanted to talk about some more kind of like pop culture-y stuff toward the end that's like still kind of disturbing, but hopefully will be a little bit of a palate cleanser because the first two topics are going to be pretty heavy. The first topic that I'm going to cover involves police brutality against a person of color. So if that is something that is going to be sensitive for you, please listen with caution. But last week, a 17-year-old by the name of Nahel Merzouk, who was of North African descent in France, was killed in the suburb of Paris after refusing to stop at a traffic stop. Since then, roughly 3,400 people have been arrested due to the outrage that spread across France. Nahel's killing has become a rallying cry very similar to the way George Floyd's murder affected all of us in the United States. The protests that arose out of George Floyd's murder came to be after years and years of blatant violent brutality by police officers with very little consequence, such as Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, and many more. We also saw three horrific murders of black individuals by either white assailants or cops in very short succession, Ahmad Arbery, Breonna Taylor, then George Floyd in the spring of 2020. So all of that was just kind of like boiling under the surface. And then when the video of George Floyd was released, it was like all of that erupted. And that was when the unrest and the protests began in the United States and internationally all over the world. People were greatly affected by by Floyd's death, but also I think because they saw a lot of very similar things happening in their own countries, which seems like that's what's going on in France at the moment. Because there has been a rise in police violence since 2017 in France, when a law was passed which permitted police to shoot a vehicle fleeing a traffic stop if the driver was putting the passengers or passerby at risk. Which, call me crazy, but I feel like shooting at the car would also make them lose control of the vehicle, which would also be incredibly dangerous, but hey, what do I know? Before 2017, on July 19th, 2016, Adama Traboré, I'm probably saying the name wrong, I'm doing my best, I'm really trying, who was a 24-year-old black man in France, died while in custody after being restrained and apprehended by the police. This event also caused outcry and protests when it occurred, but it reignited again in May of 2020, around the same time as George Floyd's death, when the officers involved were cleared of any wrongdoing. So... If I'm going to imagine this circumstance, I'm assuming that a lot of people in France that were of similar mind to the people listening to this podcast or more liberal minded, I'm sure knew the news and everything that was going on in the United States, and I'm sure that they felt affected by that as well. And then having these officers that senselessly murdered a black person be let go without any sort of consequences i'm sure because of what was already kind of brewing around the world just blew that up even more when i was looking up adama's case i discovered that he passed away on his 24th birthday which is just so sad to me he was born on july 19th 1992 just 10 days after myself and I don't mean to say any of that as like a selfish thing like, oh, let me insert myself into this. But I think all of us do that thing where we can find different ways to identify ourselves with different people and different tragedies, which makes it almost like hit home for us more. And I know I'm mentioning my birthday a lot. I'm really not meaning to, but that's it's something that kind of was like, whoa, oh my gosh, like on his 24th birthday, exactly. And this person who's like my age, exactly passed away. It just, it makes it very, very real. The fatal shooting that just occurred was the third to occur during a traffic stop in France in the year 2023. In the year 2020, there were three deaths. In 2021, there were two, and then it jumped to 13 In 2022. And I also read online that 2022 was the highest record ever for police brutality in the United States as well, which is unbelievable, especially since it really seems like everybody has decided to forget about what we went through three years ago. So if the brutality is even worse, why are we so quiet? The victims are often people of color, more specifically, they are most often black or from the Maghreb subregion of Northwest Africa, including countries like Algeria, Libya, Morocco, Tunisia, Spain, and others, and it is considered to be more of an Arab nation as well. The fact that these victims are predominantly people of color allegations of systemic racism within French police has become common. The United Nations Human Rights Council criticized the country's police force in May of 2023 and urged the implementation of significant measures to address excessive use of force. However, the French government have downplayed the instances of police brutality, sometimes completely avoiding the term when discussing the tragedies, and police unions opposed repealing or revising the 2017 law. Nahel was 17 years old and worked as a pizza delivery driver in the city of Nanterre. He had no criminal record, but was apparently known to police for resisting arrest. In fact, he was actually charged with resisting the previous weekend before his death. According to the prosecutor, two two Paris police officers on motorcycles noticed Nahel's car driving at a high speed around 7.55 a.m. The officers turned on their warning signals indicating for the driver to pull over. Instead, the car continued and ran a red light and, in the chase with police, committed multiple more traffic violations. Due to traffic, the car eventually had to stop and the cops got off their motorcycles with guns pointed at the driver. They ordered him to turn off the car, but instead the driver began to move away and one of the officers, whose name has only been released as Florian M., no full last name, shot him. The car continued moving until crashing into street furniture at 8.19 a.m. There were two other passengers in the car, with one in the back seat and one in the passenger seat. One fled and the other was arrested. Officer Florian provided first aid to the driver, allegedly, but he was pronounced dead at 9.15 a.m. Authorities arrested the officer who shot Nahel and he was charged with voluntary homicide by a person in authority. Although I feel this might be difficult to fight with the law which permits officers to act exactly how that officer had, shooting at the car if it doesn't stop. So that was the prosecutor's side of the story. But according to the police, the officer fired his weapon as the young driver was about to run him over. In this version, they are citing self-defense. However, there is a video that has gone viral across the Internet. I haven't watched it. I really need to take a break from some of these things because I was really having terrible nightmares and fears But there was a video that went out and became very, very viral, and this video showed that the car was not in a position to harm the officers and was not heading toward them. So this was not self-defense, and he was not about to run them over. Officer Florian is currently under investigation for manslaughter and has been placed in custody. French President Emmanuel Macron declared the incident inexcusable and unforgivable, adding that the murder of Nahel had moved the entire nation. It is incredibly rare for French government officials to critique the French police. So this was a huge statement, but a lot of people also believe that because the video was leaked and it gone so viral and it did look so bad that he probably was doing that as a way to appease a lot of the people that were very, very angry. The police then criticized Macron for condemning the officers before justice has had the chance to speak. Nahel's family has been active in the media. There was a video on TikTok released of his mother calling for revolt for her son, and the grandmother has also come forward saying, They killed my grandson. Now I don't care about anyone. They took my grandson from me. I will never forgive them in my life. Never, never, never. The divide amongst Parisians is much the same as the division was here in the United States. The far right are supporting the cops while the liberals are standing by the victim and justice. Public outcry over the shooting evolved into protests. Residents of Nanterre, where the tragedy occurred, protested outside police headquarters on June 27th, which escalated into setting cars on fire, torching bus stops, and shooting fireworks at the police. Just south of Paris, in another town, a group of youths set a bus on fire. A town hall in another city was firebombed and set ablaze, as well as other areas surrounding Paris. By June 29th, over 150 people were arrested. 24 officers had been injured and 40 cars were torched. This was when some of the president's um, statements began to change a little bit and began to see, I guess, what a problem a lot of these quote unquote riots had become in these towns surrounding Paris. And the Interior Minister of France, Gérald Darmanin, deployed 1,200 riot police and something called gendarmes, which I guess are civilian police, in and around Paris to attempt to quell the protests, later adding an additional 2,000. But then on June 29th, he announced that around 40,000 troops would be deployed nationwide. These resources include special anti-riot units, armored vehicles, and helicopters, as of today, roughly 1,300 arrests have been made in total. Tourists have been warned about traveling to France, with the Foreign Office updating its travel advice as a response to the violence, stating, quote, some local authorities may impose curfews. Locations and timing of riots unpredictable. You should monitor the media, avoid areas where riots are taking place, check the latest advice with operators when traveling, and follow the advice of authorities. Well, my... Heart and my anger is with the city of Nanterre, with Nihal's family, with Nihal himself, and with anyone who is feeling outrage over what is happening. Systemic racism occurs all over the world. It is not specifically American, although it is a very American thing, but It hurts me to see this kind of authoritarian response, I guess, to a lot of these quote-unquote riots because it reminds me of all of the senseless death that occurred during the protests here in the United States back in 2020. I have images of You know, a young blonde girl who was run over by a car at one of the protests. There was, I believe, a skateboarder, a young man that I'm remembering who also lost their lives at one of those protests. I think about Kyle Rittenhouse (laughs) coming down and creating mass terror at one of these protests. You know, I just get so concerned for the French citizens. I back them up 100% in protesting. I understand your anger and your frustration and why you feel the need to destroy. I get it. I'm not judging you whatsoever. But it frustrates me that instead of listening to the people who are protesting and asking for change, you're doubling down on your like militarized efforts, your police like efforts, and that's just gonna make everything worse. So my heart is with you i am going to continue to follow this story very very closely i hope that the officer who was responsible for the loss of Nahal's life comes to justice and yes it's just it's very very sad unfortunately this next topic is really no better than the first This includes descriptions of a mass shooting that occurred in Baltimore, Maryland this past week, so again, if that is going to be difficult for you to listen to, please listen with caution. On the afternoon of July 2nd, a gathering called Brooklyn Day, located in the housing development in the 800 block of Gretna Court in Baltimore, Maryland, occurred. Then a man, or multiple men, opened fire at the event, killing two and injuring 28 others with gunshots. At least 15 of these victims were under the age of 18. The ages of the victim range from 13 to 32 years old. Videos on social media include one that shows partygoers evacuating and another of a young man pulling a gun out of his backpack, but the man has yet to be identified. Police rushed to the scene after numerous 911 calls were made. The two deceased victims are Alea Gonzalez and Kailas Fegbemi. Aaliyah was 18 and Kylas was 20 years old. The Baltimore Police Commissioner has confirmed that there were at least two people who were firing their guns at the scene and at least three firearms were used. It is unclear if this was a targeted attack or if they were shooting indiscriminately. The Baltimore Police are offering a $28,000 reward for information on the suspects. This is just such an incredibly sad thing to have happened to this community and i hope that whoever did this is caught and held responsible there really isn't a lot more information right now because it really was so quick and devastating and we don't know who the perpetrators are we don't have motive we have nothing so if you are in the area and you feel that you have any sort of information that you could give to police officers although we don't like them we really want them to be able to catch these bad guys so please feel free to inform the baltimore police if you feel like you have any information my heart again goes out to both of the families of the deceased and to the families of everyone who was injured and affected by this terrible terrible tragedy Okay lastly I wanted to talk a little bit more about that show The Idol on HBO or Max we have to call it now. My boyfriend Max is very upset by this by the way because I don't know about any of you but our app always freezes and we get the little spinny wheel and we used to be like oh HBO what the fuck but then I started going, oh, Max, what the fuck? And he was like, you can't do that. It's going to make me think that you're mad at me all the time. But it it's very upsetting. I really don't know what HBO was doing, changing their name. But that is not the point of this topic of conversation. A few months ago, back in March, I talked about the show The Idol that came out. I think it came out in June. I'm not really sure. But there was... So much controversy surrounding this show before it even came out. And now that all of the episodes have been released, I figured I would go back and talk about it some more. I did not watch this show, You Can't Make Me. This sounds like my trauma's worst nightmare. So no, I'm not going to be touching it with a 10-foot pole. But I was really interested in what happened on the show, what the responses were, because it's just like... I'm my mind is boggled as to how this show even got made with how disgusting it is. But anyways, let's get into it. The show stars Lily Rose Depp as Jocelyn, a rising pop star who begins a romance with L.A. club owner and underground cult leader Tedros, played by The Weeknd, Abel Tesfaye, Tesafe, I don't know how to say The Weeknd's real name. I'm just going to keep referring to him as The Weeknd. Anyways, I don't like him. In the show, Jocelyn is conditioned by Tadros to accept his abuse under the guise that it will make her a better musical artist. Jocelyn told Tedros all about abuse she had suffered at the hands of her mother as a child, which made her vulnerable to a man like Tedros. The Weeknd created the show with his producing partner and former nightlife entrepreneur Reza Fahim and Sam Levinson from Euphoria. The original director, Amy Siemens, who wanted to view the show through the lead female character's perspective, exited her participation in the series, and the boys did a whole overhaul of the show. One member of production told Rolling Stone, What I signed up for was a dark satire of fame and the fame model in the 21st century. It went from satire to the thing it was satirizing. It was like any rape fantasy that any toxic man would have in the show, and then the woman comes back for more because it makes her music better. The show was also supposed to run for six episodes, but was cut down to five. People Magazine's review of the first episode called it kinky yet empty, like a visit to a red light district during the pandemic, which made me chuckle. In the first episode, Jocelyn and Tadros meet at a club and make out. While doing so, Tadros begins to choke Jocelyn and she goes home and does the same thing to herself while pleasuring herself as well. In another scene, she admits to her best friend slash assistant that she likes Tadros's rapey vibe. He then kisses this friend assistant on the lips when he arrives at Jocelyn's home, making her feel incredibly uncomfortable Another important storyline in the first episode is that Jocelyn's nudes were leaked. Her team tries to keep this hidden from her until they can't any longer. And while we've seen for most celebrities this is a huge violation of privacy, it can be humiliating, shameful, and traumatizing, But in the show, Jocelyn considers making the photo her album cover, and there's nothing wrong with having that response for choosing to not be humiliated and shamed because your nudes were leaked. There's nothing wrong with taking nude photos of yourself. What is wrong is people leaking them onto the internet without your consent, of course. But along with a lot of the other things that are expressed in this show, it shows a warped view of women's responses to Abuse and trauma. So it's like, look, women, you should just be fine with this. It's no big deal. You know, whatever. In real life, if someone were to do that, they would have been called a slut and their career may have been over because of that. Like, it's just this just seems very unrealistic to me. In another episode, Tadros gets mad at a character named Xander for betraying Jocelyn, and as a punishment, Tadros puts a shock collar on him and shocks him with electric shocks. This apparently added nothing to the plot and amounted to nothing more than torture porn. Honestly, I feel like if I were to try to watch this show, I'd be watching it through the gaps in my fingers the entire time. In the final episode, Jocelyn's ex is accused of rape by one of Tadros's girls, which turns out to be a false allegation by Tadros because he didn't like that Jocelyn slept with him. This is so harmful i cannot even begin to explain how harmful it is because in real life when women report rape society accuses them of making up the allegations and this storyline furthers the false stereotype that women lie about rape for fame and money it is so disgusting lily rose depp what the fuck were you thinking signing on to this project it is so misogynistic and gross but one of the things that made viewers the most angry was the quote-unquote twist ending At the end of the series, we discover that it was Jocelyn who had been lying to Tedros the whole time about her mother being abusive to her, explaining that Jocelyn had lied about the abuse to lure Tedros to her to benefit her career. According to British GQ, The Jocelyn we've come to know for almost the entire run of the series is tormented and fragile, hanging on by a thread and being lifted up by the people she needs but knows she can't fully trust. And now at the end, it's like, just kidding. She's actually the psycho manipulator who's been using The weekend's character the entire time. Which, I, I don't know. I didn't watch the show, but then explain all the abuse to me and the cult stuff like I don't know it doesn't seem feasible to me and I'm not the only one many have questioned the feasibility of this twist painting Tedros as the victim in spite of the fact that his character is an abuser who kidnapped and tortured his ex-girlfriend and repeatedly abused the main character Jocelyn. Many have described this ending as misogynistic and perverse, and others noted that The weekend's disapproval of the original female-centered script made the reveal that Tedros was the victim all the more disturbing. I have a feeling that that is not the ending that the original director Amy had in mind. And uh, Lily Rose Depp defended the ending and her character saying, Jocelyn is a very calculated and strategic person. She knows exactly what she wants and she'll stop at nothing to get it. Tedros was her muse and she got what she needed out of him. Like, why do we need to be exploring these types of female characters on television and in film? I just don't see how this is beneficial. It just seems so harmful and like something all incels would get off on it's just terrible sam levinson said throughout the season jocelyn has been searching for inspiration she's looking to go to an uncomfortable place and it's just ultimately looking for that next song that next album tedros becomes the conduit for that creative unlocking What is the point? What is the moral of the story here? Because it just seems like a torture porn shit show for incels. I've also read a lot of other articles as the show was coming out about some deleted scenes or things that they wanted to shoot that never came to light that are so upsetting that I can't imagine that a person's brain could actually come up with something like that. And I wonder that a lot with people who write a lot of really disturbing novels or films or tv shows it's like do you have to be a little bit fucked up in the head to be able to write some of these things is your imagination that fucked are these things that you're taking from reality because i'm thinking of this one scene with an egg that i read described and i was like who in their right mind would ever think to put something like that on like regular tv for people to watch you're sick and disgusting So I'm over Lily Rose Depp, I'm over The Weeknd, I'm over Sam Levinson, I'm not watching this show, I'm not watching anything else that y'all do, fuck this shit, I can't believe it ever got made. I really want to know what your thoughts are, whether or not you've watched it or read about it like myself, let me know what you think because I'm officially grossed out. All right. I hope the ending was at least a little bit of a palate cleanser for two really really difficult topics And thank you so much for listening to another episode. If there's ever anything that you want me to cover, please feel free to email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist with any of your suggestions for the mini episode or for full-length episodes. I want to give you what you want. Don't forget to find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist. And also, if you'd be so kind, please leave me a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts or rate the show on Spotify as well. It truly helps me so very much, and I very much appreciate it. All right, that is all I have for you today. I'll see you on Monday. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye.